Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. That was encouraging, wasn't it? What's been happening in the prayer week? What God's doing in our church? I love it. I love it. Thank you, God. Um, Let's, let's read the Bible together. Um, do you want to open, if you've got your phones or your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to look at Nehemiah again. Um, it's going to be chapter 4 this week. Um, I'll give you a little bit of time to find it, because it's not going to be on the screen, because I wasn't prepared enough to give it to the screen people. But So this is Nehemiah chapter 4. I'll read it as well. So this is the opposition to the rebuilding When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Actually, Ruben, can I borrow that mic? It's going to annoy me. Okay, so he ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said... What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. And Nehemiah prays, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said... The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed... This is Nehemiah speaking. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest parts of the walls at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, Lord, who is great and awesome, afraid of them, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our work. From that day on, half my men did the work, whilst the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officials posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. 
Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. And at that time, I also said to the people, let every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can help serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me ever took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. So reading that this week, it was like, it was like God was just going, this is for PBC. This is for PBC. This is where we're at. And um, I suppose... I mean, just looking at the room now, there's, there's a lot more people than when I joined three years ago. There's people who have become Christians in that time, gone from not believing in God to believing in God, and now come here and worship him, and are having their prayers answered, and are receiving his favor on their life, and having peace as they go through the troubles of life. That's happening. We're doing physical building to our church we're building the front. We're trying to make this a place where the community can be welcomed, where people come in and have a, have a chance to experience the love that we witness. So I think, actually, in our journey of church, the walls are, the walls are, are growing. They're, they're possibly even halfway up. And actually, it's no surprise for me to then see there's going to be opposition there's going to be opposition to what the church is doing. Individually, we will be facing opposition. I think everybody receives opposition throughout their life. But one of the things about Christians is that Jesus actually promised us that we would. I know that's not the nicest thing to hear. But Jesus said, in this, in this life, you will have trouble. But don't fear, because I have overcome the world and I am with you. So, so we're aware, actually, that that opposition is going to come. So we have these two people in the story of Nehemiah, Sam Ballot and Tobiah. They're never really sort of mentioned before, yet we find out in this, in this scripture that they make it their ambition, their life's purpose to start discouraging, to start being this opposition to this wall building. It's so... so um, I don't know that they are they're so they're so angry at what Nehemiah is doing that they make it their life's ambition to to ruin the morale of all the people who are building. And um and I think I don't know whether you'll agree with me but I think there's some there's some tricks there's some there's some tactics that this enemy uses that I think we can really experience from our enemy. And when I say that, I'm, I'm talking about when, when Jesus is building the kingdom of heaven on earth, when he's building the church, there is an enemy that does not want that church to prosper. 
There is an enemy that doesn't want people to get to know life and life in all its fullness. And that enemy is, is, is the devil. He's often just called the deceiver. And we start hearing about these, these lies that the enemy is saying. They start, they start with these jokes. They, they say, um, oh, I've put my Bible down on the floor. They say, um, what do they say? Let me try and remember. Um, are they going to rebuild this wall in a day? Are they going to worship in, inside this city? Are they going to be able to offer sacrifices? What do, what do they expect? And you get these, this, this discouragement coming at, at these builders, this fear, this fear being, being forced on people. And I think so often when we have something that we're trying to achieve, when we have this calling like Nehemiah had, actually, so in the prayers this morning, um, Denise um, shared with us that this week um, she had been sort of under opposition, under attack. She felt like um, someone outside of, of her workplace had taken a, a real dis dislike and really wanted to make her job really painful and really actually say that, Denise, even though you feel like God has called you to be a teacher and to and disciple young people and to teach them and to encourage them, this person was trying to go, actually, that destiny, um, you're no good at it. You're not going to succeed. You're not going to achieve what you, what you set out to do, what you felt like God told you to do. And it's so easy then to just be full of doubt and go, oh, gosh. God, is this my destiny? Is this my calling? Because there's so much opposition. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe this is you saying that this isn't right for me. But that's not what Nehemiah does. What Nehemiah does is he goes straight to the prayer room. Nehemiah goes straight to the, the thin space that he has with God. And he goes straight to prayer and he says, he just, he raises his faith. He remembers. He, he, he knows that God called him to build this wall. And he knows that actually at the start, he received all this favor. He received all this favor from God. Um, the king said, yeah, go and build the wall. In fact, go in peace. And I'm going to give you these provisions so you can go and do it. And then, um, and then he goes there and he starts building it. And all these people start building their bit of the wall. And it starts to grow. And he's got all this favor, and then the opposition comes, and that's where it's like, do I doubt that favor that I remember? Or do I trust that my God is faithful, and actually there's an enemy? Um, Rebecca, where are you? Thank you so much for sharing this morning. Um, there was one thing you said um, from Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, I don't know how you say it. I will stand upon my watch. I will stand on the ramparts. I think one of the things Nehemiah and um, Habakkuk did was, was they trusted in God. But it wasn't, God, I know you're going to fight my battles and, and I'm just, I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm going to make it a test for you, God. I'm going to put myself in a situation where actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to really fight for me, and I, I'm not going to really join your team. I don't think that's the case in Nehemiah. I don't think that's the case in uh, Habakkuk. They, they actually, they, 
put themselves in a strong position. It actually said when the walls, they had gaps in places, and Nehemiah sent armed guards to stand in those gaps to protect the weak parts. And I think that's something that I really felt like I should share with with us. There will be parts of our life, there will be habits that we have that weaken us to the attack of the enemy. There will be things and habits that we maybe don't even notice it at the time, but that will actually lead us into being in a place where the enemy can attack and where we're compromised. And I, and I just want to sort of, as I'm speaking, just, just allow yourself to think of those, those habits, those things that you do, where you know. Okay, so I'm going to give some examples. Because for me, um, I'm probably quite a visual learner. I know that when I actually watch certain things, it has a really deep impact on how I think about things and about myself. And I... Um, I've kind of made a sort of internal commitment that like, there'll be some TV shows or some films that if they are too close for comfort, if they're maybe even above a certain rating, I might even say that, that I know that that compromises me and that compromises the way I think about myself. And there are other things... Um, I don't want to go into specifics, and the reason why is because I don't want anyone to feel like I am um, victimizing them. But I do want you to just think and allow the Holy Spirit to go, okay, where in my life am I not actually standing with God and protecting myself? Because Nehemiah and the Jews, they were, they were experiencing this opposition, they were experiencing these lies spoken about them. But he trusted in God. And he took sensible precautions against being attacked. That doesn't show less faith. It actually shows wisdom and maturity if you take those precautions. It said, we prayed and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. This is one of the things that... Um, I think it says in one of Paul's letters, I should have written down which one. I've got it on my notes, but I can't remember. Maybe Philippians. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do not give the devil a foothold. I really think that's what the Lord is trying to say through this. Do not give the devil a foothold. Use precautions to protect yourself from falling into sin. And Jesus actually goes one step further. Jesus actually says, if your right eye, this is really graphic language, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. And if, you're, if, you're, um, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's like, it's, properly graphic language because he was serious he was so serious about righteousness about being christians that reflect god that he said if there's anything that you're letting in that's going to compromise you get rid of it just chop it off because he would rather someone without a hand 
or without an eye, come in and be in his presence in the kingdom of heaven than to compromise themselves and give in to sin. It's really, really aggressive like language because he cares. He cares so much for us. He wants holy people. We are chosen to become holy like God is holy. He cares so much that we don't just slip. And you get this sort of, so going back to the story of Nehemiah, you get this, this sort of sword in one hand and trowel sort of building the wall in the other hand. And I think it's a really interesting image that you've kind of got um, the sword, which, which I see to, um, to sort of, I mean, th- uh, this, this, this uh, story, it was, I think it was specific about military force. It was. They were protecting themselves against a military threat. However, when I look at it now, I see the sword in one hand as the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We've got the spirit, we've got the sword of the spirit, the word of God in this hand that is, that is affecting the way that we view life. And then you've got the trowel in the other hand, building the church, encouraging people, You've got this, this two-way this two thing, if that makes sense. And it says again in Nehemiah, Even during the night, none of them even removed their clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. I love that. I love the fact that um, we're constantly protecting ourselves. We've constantly got the word of God going through our minds. We're constantly meditating on it. We're constantly working out what it's trying to say to us, what it means. One of the things that um, Jewish little boys used to get given was like a little box. Um, It was called a teflin, and it used to sort of go there on their forehead, and then it used to have like a strap around their head, and it used to hold sort of parts of um, Deuteronomy, I think, Um, or love the Lord God with all your heart all your strength. Where's that from? Someone help me. Is that, is it Deuteronomy? Yeah. So they, they literally bound words of God to their head. And it was more of a sort of physical reminder, but I think that's, that's the life that we should go for, that we should have the words of the Bible, the words of God just constantly in our hand, on our heads, coming from our lips, like preparing how we live our lives. Remember the Lord. That's what it said. Don't fear. Remember the Lord. Remember his faithfulness. I didn't actually read chapter 5. But chapter 5 goes on to talk about... There's a bit of um, tension inside Jerusalem. The fear is sort of really taking over. And, um, and there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of unsettledness. And they start to say, we, we can't rebuild this wall. And again, going back to, we're in this growing church. We're in this time of, of change, trying new things. There's going to be fear. There's going to be like, ah, it's not the way it used to be. And I think it gives us a really, this is a really important time for our church to be united. 
when, when all this, this fear and this sort of doubt courage them and say, you know what you're doing for the kingdom of God? You know what you're doing for Point and Baptist Church? Right, you're doing an amazing job. In the words of Denise Aldridge, you're tops, you're ace, you're brill. Who's been encouraged by Denise Aldridge? Do you know, as a church, um, it, it's, Paul says in his letters again, we should be trying to outdo each other in how we encourage. Isn't that amazing? Like, like children just trying to outdo, I want to encourage more, I want to encourage more. I want to challenge you to encourage people more than Denise Aldridge does. Because that was a lot of hands. I'm going to finish with this. This is, um, this is from Philippians. Okay, quick question. Do we want Point and Baptist Church to shine like stars? Do we want Point of Baptist Church to shine like stars? Okay, good. God tells us how to do it. Philippians 2.14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then... You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Trowel in one hand, word of God in the other. Encouragement coming out. Encouragement coming out. Not just to each other. That's important. We need that unity. But an encouragement people. If we want to affect change in our world, we need to be people who encourage, who shine like stars. And I'm so encouraged by how God has been answering our prayers. I didn't want that to stop earlier. Possibly I was nervous to preach, but I didn't want it to stop. Because I was just, ah, God, you are doing so much in this place. And I want other people to know that. God, I want people to know that even in the trials, even in the opposition, you are there and you are faithful. I want, you, I want people to know that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I want people to know that Jesus says, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And he goes through our struggles with us. There are so many people outside who need stars to shine and tell them that God is with you and can be with you for the rest of your life until you are with him in heaven. I want to worship him. I want to worship the king. Um, worship team, can you help, help us? Help us worship him. Um, but let me, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, show us how we can partner with you. Show us that whilst we try and fulfill the calling you have given us, how we can protect ourselves from being compromised and being tricked by the enemy into believing that is not our calling. Father, I pray for unity amongst this church. I pray, God, that we 
will be an encouraging people who shine like stars in Cheshire, in Poynton, in Manchester. And God, I pray right now as we go into this, this next sort of bit of worship as we sing these songs to you, I pray that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit. You reveal to us where we can protect ourselves. And Lord, thank you so much for how you have answered so many prayers. Because you are a father who loves to give your children good gifts. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.